It's that time, the Betting Predators podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. Speaking of hunting down bets, we're going to be talking about DFS bets, DraftKings bets that we can be making this weekend. What are the top plays for our cash game lineups? What are the top plays for our small field tournaments, single entry tournaments, three entry max tournaments? And then towards the end, we'll talk a little bit about Millie Maker, large field GPP plays. We know we put out, we're putting a lot of fantasy content on the website right now. My fantasy rankings, we do a waiver wire column and everything like that. But we're really expanding into more DFS content. I got the perfect man here to help me walk through the main slate for week six on Sunday. We got 11 games on the docket. And I've got a new member of the Betting Predators team. He's been working out a lot behind the scenes, helping us out with research, data, analytics, and a whole bunch of other things. Andrew. Andrew, how do you want me to pronounce your, your last name? I know you, you go by Wary Actuary. He's Andrew's an actuary. Obviously, if you've, been, if you've been following our podcast with Sleepy and the pregame crew from back in the day, you know Fezzik was a former actuary. We got a we got an actuary on our betting predators team now, Mr. Mr. Andrew D. And, and Andrew, you can go in before I butcher your last name. You can go go and tell the folks a little bit about yourself and how to pronounce your last name as well. So welcome to the show, Andrew. All right. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, you, my last name's enunciated, Duhon Glue. It's kind of long. You can just call me Andrew D or Andrew Duhon for short. But yeah, really excited to be part of the betting predators team and happy to uh, be the second actuary to join you guys. And for those of you that don't know what actuaries do, they're basically um, quants for uh, insurance companies and insurance brokers. Right. I, I think I think of like the uh, the old school like risk assessment thing when they see in the movies. I think it was like a long came Polly where Ben Stiller was some type of risk assessment manager that was basically scared of everything and like calculating the odds before he did any type of like public event or something. So I don't know if you're if you're that deep in the weeds, Andrew, if I'm, if I'm off I'm off base there. But, uh, uh, you know, what what brought you to, you know, your passion for football and fantasy and, and data analytics from that side and then from just overall from the stuff you've been doing yourself with fantasy football and running your DraftKings league and all that stuff. Yeah. So just basically, you know, my love of math and stats has um, really propelled me to like use high level stats when, um, you know, approaching fantasy football, daily fantasy sports or whatnot. And um, really it started out um, maybe like 10, 15 years ago when I was looking at, um, other trends and stuff like that, that people weren't really considering. So that's when I really started seeing the power that, you know, high level stats has in fantasy sports. Not a lot of people are using it. So if you can capture those trends and reflect that in your lineups and, you know, incorporate that into your fantasy game, it really takes your um, team to the next level. For sure. For sure. And, you know, Andrew's been working on a, a lot of stuff behind the scenes, as I mentioned. And if you go to bettingpredators.com, a new feature we're going to be launching this weekend is we're trying to still fi- figure out the name for it, but it's essentially a player prop cheat sheet. We call it the master list. And we're, we got about up to 10 different guys working on this week to week. It's a game by game analysis of high level statistics that we're basically aggregating from up to 10, 12, 15 of the best media sources on the internet, including our own research that we're using websites to get DVOA information, PFF grades, uh, matchup information, looking at utilization trends, player by player, matchup trends, team by team. Uh, I think it's an awesome tool every week that this is something that we kind of did by hand in a sense last year. And this year we've got an entire team of guys working on it. Andrew's been a big part of that. And we're using it as basically the launch point for our DFS research for our player props research, for our handicapping, for our podcasts, and everything in between. It, this is a, a Google Doc right now. It's about you know 31 pages long. So consider it like a weekly ebook that we're going to put all the best information into one place to save you time, something that might take like 50 to 100 hours for you to read yourself. We're going to condense this into one doc that maybe you can read in 30 minutes or less, or, or, or at least skim, th- skim through in that amount of time. So our goal is to help save you time and make you money. And that goes the same thing with our NFL premium package right now. Uh, Before we uh, dive into things here, you know, about, we do a lot of free content on the site. And Andrew's been a part of that too. He has his sharps versus squares report. He's doing some fantasy content for us as well. We did, we did a collaborative piece on breaking down the perfect DraftKings lineup from week five last week. That's something we're hoping to publish 
on the site going forward weekly as well. Um, but the website right now for free, if you're not a subscriber to our premium NFL package, that's about maybe 25% of the content we're doing on a weekly basis with our team is free on the website. Uh, uh, if you want access to our Discord channel, where we're posting uh, player prop bets as we make them, look ahead lines from a week and a half before for the next games. We already have look ahead line best bets for week seven. Uh, Steve Reeder, avoid the big. Sleepy Jay has been a big part of that as well. So hop into the Discord with us, get access to bets in real time, be able to talk with all of us in real time, ask questions. We have a really awesome community on there. So if you go to bettingpredators.com backslash premium or click the button on the homepage, you can learn more about our NFL premium package and, and get and take, adv- take advantage of uh, some of the discounts we have available for the rest of the season as well. So anyways, this is our DFS main slate week six show. Uh, you know, Sleepy and I talked a little bit about DFS on the Player Props Money Picks podcast that we put out earlier today, which is, well, well yesterday, which is Friday. We're recording this now. It's Saturday morning, my time, 1.58 a.m. Eastern time. A little more of a normal time for Andrew here. But what we're going to do is we're going to go position by position. We're going to break down some of our favorite plays uh, in terms of cash games and in terms of tournaments. And one thing that we will bring up a lot is our DFS top plays and rankings. We're basically we rank the top 100 DFS plays position by position, game stacks, uh, top double stacks of the week, top um, cheap values at wide receiver, as well as top ownership values and top leverage values. Guys who are projecting with high ceilings for the week, but who are only project- projected to be owned by anywhere from 5 to 10% of the field or even less than 5% of the field. And that's very important when it comes to our tournament strategy on DraftKings as well. Uh, Our DFS top plays, we put this out every Sunday for the main slate. We put it out every Monday night, every Thursday night, and every Sunday night for the primetime games. And that's a part of our premium package. Uh, So go ahead on the website, you know, learn more about our premium package there and and you can access that going forward in addition to a whole bunch of other stuff. So anyways, without further ado, I want to start with quarterbacks, Andrew. And when you're looking at the week six main slate here, again, we got four teams on a bye. We've got 11 games total. Obviously, we're not counting the Jacksonville game, which is going to be a standalone showdown slate on DraftKings, not part of the main slate there. Um, To me, it's two clear options. I want to talk about cash games first, and we can kind of close each position off with our favorite tournament lineups, ownership values, things like that. But um, it's Patrick Mahomes at the top, 8,300. I I think his price tag alone will keep his ownership levels in check. And this is just a fantastic matchup we're getting for Patrick Mahomes against the Washington football team. Secondary, you know, the, the Chiefs are coming off a game where they were embarrassed on primetime television, and Patrick Mahomes had arguably the most disappointing game of his career. He had a it, 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 the two things in terms of negative correlation. Mahomes had a career-high 54 pass attempts in Week 5, and he paired that with a career-low 5.0 yards per attempt. So, you know, I'm going to go on a limb here and say – kind of half-jokingly, that the Chiefs are going to bounce back in week six, but they're going to do it with efficiency. I don't think Patrick Mahomes is going to need 54 pass attempts. In fact, I like Mahomes' pass attempts under for this game, but I think he's going to do it on efficiency, getting the ball to Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey down the field, both guys of which are due for bounce-back games in this spot here. Um, So this is a game, personally, that I'm looking to stack overall. But just with Mahomes, when it, if you're willing to stack Mahomes with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey together, you're going to have a massive ceiling with that double stack. And it's going to come with very low ownership because those guys are just so expensive to all put together. A large majority of the fields you're going to be playing in, they're not going to be willing to spend all that money of their salary on three players. But I think this slate sets up well enough, Andrew, to where we have so many cheap running back options. These backups like Devontae Booker, Khalil Herbert, Daryl Williams with the Chiefs himself, to where we can spend up at some of the onesie positions like quarterback and tight end, maybe spend up at a few wide receiver spots, maybe be contrarian and spend up at defense when most people try to spend down at defense week to week. But to me, it's Mahomes and it's Lamar Jackson. I mean, Lamar Jackson. He flashed a a true passing ceiling last week against the Colts defense in comeback mode there. And and I see the Chargers offense being good enough to be able to force the Ravens to need to throw and throw some more here in week five. So obviously I think a lot of guys are going to be looking at those two players, but to me that that's where I'm going to look number one overall. Uh, Mar Jackson, we're obviously getting a discount. He's $900 cheaper, 7,400 compared to Mahomes. Uh, But when it comes to cash game lineups, I, I don't know 
how I can get off both those guys. And to me, my, my number one inclination right now is to go Lamar because you're going to save $900 and because he's going to give you a rushing floor that Mahomes simply doesn't have. Uh, and Lamar Jackson showed the ability to bring along teammates with him as a stacking partner to where in the past, like you were just playing Lamar Jackson because of his legs. Now you can play him for his legs and for his arm. And we've seen Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews both show the ability to be able to hit their values uh, at the same time in the same game with Lamar Jackson. So I'm excited about the ceiling of that matchup between the Chargers and the Ravens. I think it could play out very similarly to how the Browns and the Chargers played out last week when we saw almost 90 combined points in that game. A bunch of those guys hit in that DraftKings perfect lineup article that we put out last week as well. So uh, before I go any further, any guys that I'm not mentioning besides those two that you like, Andrew, or what are your overall thoughts on your on a top quarterback plays for week six? So I'm definitely in agreement with you that Mahomes is definitely one to consider this week. So like you said, he has a very hefty price tag at 8300 He is the most expensive quarterback in the main slate, but he was flat out embarrassed on Sunday night football. And lots of people are proclaiming that was the power shift in the AFC where now Buffalo is the team to beat. So that's obviously hanging over his head. I couldn't think of a better opponent than the Washington football team as a get right game. They have a they're, they've been struggling a lot in the their passing defense. Their rushing defense is all right. And the fact that um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire isn't going to play either, you know, they're probably going to focus more on their passing game more than ever. So Patrick Mahomes is set up really nicely in this game to have a nice bounce back. And, um, you know, he, he might be under uh, that 54 uh, completions that you were talking, or 54 attempts that you were talking about. But I still think that, given the opportunity, they'll probably want to run up the score and let everybody know that Kansas City is still a high-powered offensive team and that they're not really going anywhere. Shifting gears to Lamar, I really enjoy... I mean, he was electric on um, last week, but I do think that the playing him, we have to talk about the distinction between... Um, cash games versus GPP, right? Because Lamar is probably going to come with a very high ownership percentage. A lot of people are probably going to want to play him. So that's something to be cognizant of if you're going to go for uh, a GPP. And with Patrick Mahomes, you know, he's also going to have a high ownership uh, percentage as well. So maybe one person to consider that might be a little more of a low-key start would be Matthew Stafford. He's cheaper than both of them at 6,700 and he's going up against the New York Giants who don't really have the best defense in the world. I think Stafford is coming off of 10 days of rest. So they're, they've had a lot of time to prepare for this game. And I think that could uh, be a potential matchup uh, that you want to exploit as well with a low ownership. So for, um, not for non-cash games, Stafford could be the one to look into over Lamar and Patrick Mahomes. I like that. You know, one tournament play that I'll throw in here before we move on from the quarterback position is Kyler Murray. And and I know that we're not going to have Cliff Kingsbury there calling plays, but don't forget that the Browns are going to be without Nick Chubb as well. And also Kareem Hunt's been on the injury report all week with two separate injuries. There's still not a 100% chance that he's going to play either. It has not been confirmed yet. And if he does play, he could be limited. I mean, last year we saw – Kareem Hunt fill in for Nick Chubb when Kareem Hunt was also banged up. And he was very disappointing for a lot of people who thought he was going to be like an auto fire top five running back in that stretch. If you remember that, I don't want to, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but during that stretch when he was starting for Nick, for an injured Nick Chubb, he actually wasn't involved in the passing game. They made him the de facto run between the tackles back. They have a very talented young player in Demetra Felton who actually played wide receiver in college. They had Felton lining up at wide receiver in the preseason. Uh, so this is a guy like super deep leagues. If, you, if you're absolutely desperate for a running back and Hunt winds up playing, even if Hunt plays or not, I think Felton is actually going to slide in to the pass catching role. Before last week, he had multiple catches and multiple targets in like three or four straight games, uh, but hasn't had a single carry all year. So let's say if Hunt doesn't play for some reason, it, it just goes to show that I, I think that that's going to be a higher scoring game than a lot of people anticipate. And Kyler Murray's coming off a few kind of down games for his standard, but it's because Arizona simply hasn't needed to really 
put their foot on the gas pedal with the offense there. So being three and a half point underdogs, this game still has like a near 50 point over under total. Uh, and if the Browns do wind up taking advantage of the Cardinals, you know, really bad run defense, they're, they're number 31 out of 32 teams in their PFF grade. Uh, I think it's going to force the Cardinals to need to throw the ball. And with no Max Williams this week, I, I know they just traded for Zach Ertz, but he's not going to play. Uh, there's a, a large possibility they're going to be running a lot of 10 personnel for wide receiver sets on the field. And the more you can get Rondell Moore on the field with DeAndre Hopkins, with Christian Kirk, with A.J. Green, I think that all goes to show you that there could be a lot more passing volume than you think just looking at this matchup on paper. So I think with Kyler Murray, his ceiling in this game, if the Cardinals could fall from behind behind playing at Cleveland, uh, you, you could see him rush for 50-plus yards and throw for 300-plus yards and get the DraftKings bonus as well. So as as a cash game play, you know it's a little risky, obviously. To me, Lamar Jackson's kind of my locked-in cash game, cash game play. If I would do two cash game lineups, which I really don't like to do, I would say Mahomes is probably 1B to Lamar's 1A. But in tournaments, absolutely. You brought up a great point, Andrew. Looking at the DraftKings ownership projections for this week, Lamar Jackson's probably going to be owned by a very large percentage of the field to where we do want to play Mahomes at 8%. We do want to play... Kyler Murray, uh, which I believe right now is checking in at like less than 5% uh, for all the quarterbacks there. And with his ceiling, I, I just think that that's incorrect. Right now, 1.4% projected ownership. Uh, you know, for a guy with that type of upside, I, I think that that's a great way to try to take advantage in certain tournament lineups. But that's my overall thoughts there. I, I do like Stafford as well. Um, I'm ranking my top five quarterbacks for our DFS top plays article each week. And I was kind of internally debating whether or not I wanted to put Justin Herbert or Matthew Stafford in that position. My only worry about Stafford is that uh, the Rams had significant uh, mismatches in terms of their offensive line and defensive line against the Giants. And with all the cluster injuries with the Giants, I know Daniel Jones was cleared to play, but he's still coming off a concussion. And how much will he be willing to run in this game? Uh, I'm worried the Rams could really, you know, steamboat the, the Giants in, the, in this matchup and really run away with things. And that might limit the passing volume uh, for the Rams because of that. So that's the only reason Stafford's like my honorable mention, like right outside my top five for, for, uh, for DraftKings this week. But I do like Herbert. I do like Taylor Heineke playing in the catch-up role in a negative game script against the Chiefs uh, secondary, which is you know, probably worse than Washington's secondary is. They're two of the worst, worst in the league. In the league, exactly. So – I think we're kind of on the same page for the most part with that. And to me, Kyler Murray is the one sneaky guy to where, you know, if, if I'm creating like five, six different tournament lineups, uh, I think I do want to stack Murray with DeAndre Hopkins because Hopkins is another guy that made our list of top ownership values. Uh, you know, right now projected 3% ownership. He, he's been really coming along the last two weeks and, and getting that wide receiver one volume again. And even though he scored the touchdown, he actually could add a second touchdown that they just missed on last week. So I think that could be a really sneaky stack right there. If you want to stack them and then have Kareem Hunt on the other side, have your one chalky play, uh, and the Browns come out and get a big lead running the ball, that could really force Arizona into some real heavy drop-back passing scenarios. So uh, I'll throw it over to you for running backs first, Andrew. Uh, obviously, we talked about Kareem Hunt a little bit already, and he's going to be the obviously the number one chalk in cash, probably for good reason. I would still monitor the health reports with him, but – who are a couple of your favorite plays right now for running backs? Talk about your your favorite cash game plays and then really kind of your your upside, maybe low-owned plays for tournaments down the road. Yeah, so we talked about Kareem Hunt. I think that's uh, one of the big players to use in a cash game. He's going to have a large ownership percentage amongst um, DFS lineups. But another one to consider as well is uh, Daryl Henderson. And as you mentioned before, you know, the Rams might just – jump on top of the Giants and it, the game flow of that might not really bode well for Stafford even though he is a lower play uh, like his price tag is a little bit lower for the top QBs so who that could benefit is Daryl Henderson if they're just running the ball down uh, the Giants throats that could be a, a really big uh, play and also it seems that McVeigh is more committed to Henderson now than before it, uh, it was always hard to determine which L.A. running back was going to get a bulk of the carries, but Henderson seems to be that guy. And it, just the way that this game might turn out, I think Henderson's a good play. 
Another good one that I'll throw out there, again, this is going to come at a high ownership percentage as well, is DeAndre Swift against Cincinnati. A lot of people are writing off the Lions. They think that uh, Cincinnati is probably just going to go and steamroll um, Detroit on Sunday. But I think that that game could be a little bit closer than what we think and that the Lions will be competitive. Swift will have a good game as well, getting a lot of the dump-off passes from Goff. And he's been really effective over the past couple weeks. So I like him as well. And I'll throw out one low tournament play that I think could be really beneficial for people. And that is in an older fantasy stud, David Johnson, used to play for the Cardinals. He had a big fantasy um, uh, season a couple years back for a lot of owners. But now he's with the Houston Texans and his usage rate has been increasing over the past couple weeks. And, uh, you know, uh, I think Houston's starting to featuring more, featuring him more in the passing game. He comes at a very cheap $4,000 salary in DK. And that that could be a really good play to sort of distinguish yourself from the field. And I think that David Johnson can come in there and against an indie defense that doesn't really have the best secondary. He can probably catch a lot of passes out of the backfield, especially if they're playing from behind or whatnot. And that could be one play to consider if we're looking for a cheap option at running back. Yeah, I I love it. And when you look at the trends, it's just something we're tracking in our player prop cheat sheet here for week six, which again, will be on the website. It'll be on the website by the time you listen to this podcast as, as, as a free preview for this week. But I mean, David Johnson, you hit it in terms of him trending up usage-wise. In consecutive weeks now, he's up to 71% of the routes run. He's got a 23% target share, getting targeted on 24% of his routes, and he owns all the long down and distance situations, 100% of long down and distance snaps last week, which means every single time they're in second and long, third and long, et cetera, he's on the field every single time. For those, those, those dump-off passes are going to go – to him, probably 90% plus of the times compared to Philip Lindsay's not involved much in the passing game. Neither is Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram's the in-between the tackles guy. So in a negative game script for the Texans, I mean, that's an ugly play that no one is going to play. If you want to jam in just a punt play at running back in that sense, I don't think it's honestly the worst play in the world. I would probably compare him a little bit to how I would compare uh, Brandon Bolden from the Patriots because I expect Dallas to jump on top of new England. And although I don't expect many that much points in either of these games, you know, we have a 43 point total for Texans Colts. We have a 50 point total for Dallas, new England, which will actually like the under on that game. Um, but you know, Brandon Bolden, he's the same thing over there, like hundred percent of the long down and distance snaps. Damien Harris still questionable whether he's going to play or not, even though beat reports are expected in the play. Uh, if, if new England falls behind, it's going to be a lot of dump off passes to Brandon Bolden. So, you know, he could be one of those guys that it gives you a floor. You know, you play him for, you know, however cheap he is, $4,000, $4,500. He might get you, you know, five catches and get you that 10, 15 points uh, at a really cheap price tag and help you spend up in other spots. But, um, you know, that, that, that's, that's a good one right there. I don't mind that play so much for tournaments. Um, overall, for me, I think my top plays, like, you know, you mentioned Kareem Hunt. You mentioned DeAndre Swift. I like Swift for cash games with, DraftKings obviously being full point PPR, you get one point per reception as opposed to FanDuel, which is half PPR. Um, I'm surprised that Jonathan Taylor's ownership is only projecting for 19%, even though it's not like the most low owned plays. It's still low enough for me to where, you know, playing against the Colts in that same game we talked about, that correlates almost specifically with David Johnson playing in the catch up mode for Houston. That means that Indy's jumping out to a big lead, and and they're taking advantage of Houston's defense, which ranks 27th overall in the league according to PFF. So um, I think you know Jonathan Taylor. It's like we talked about this and talked about this on the props podcast with Sleepy the other night. That yeah, I can easily see him going for close to 100 yards or more, even though his prop line is very high already. Like I think in the low 80s. Like I, I still wouldn't mind playing that over. I haven't gotten around to making a play on it yet. I don't think it'll go much higher than it is now, but. To me, Jonathan Taylor with that ceiling, uh, I think my biggest win of last season was in week 17 where the Colts had just like a layup matchup. You knew they were going to win by multiple scores and Taylor winds up rushing for like 150 yards and multiple touchdowns. If he does that, then he's really helping you ascend to the top of the leaderboard of whatever you're playing in at just 19% ownership. Uh, You know, he's not going to be super chalk, but maybe just 
you know, not chalk enough to where you can actually make a difference there. Um, the one play I want to highlight here is Dalvin Cook right now being projected for 8.7% ownership. Uh, you know, he, he's a guy that like he's got in, I think, three straight full practices in this week. Uh, you know, I don't I, I think people are just they're still stuck to the idea that he's been banged up the last few weeks. We saw Madison have two big games. And then the other game, we saw Madison and Cook split time. But if Cook is getting full practices in, uh, he's going to be the guy. And even if the Carolina Panthers have a tough run defense, you know, they're decent against the run. I wouldn't say they're great. Uh, It's going to be the Cook show on the road against in this matchup to where I think the Vikings defense is going to be able to get after Sam Darnold. Uh, and whether or not, you know, it, Dalvin Cook, when he's healthy, he's game script proof. Like he's going to catch passes when they're trailing. He's going to be running the ball a lot when they're ahead and trying to play with, with that type with that type of momentum. So I think Dalvin Cook, anytime you can get a guy like him, you know, top three to four usage in the league amongst all running backs, and you can get him at sub 10% ownership, I think tournament wise, like that's, that's a great play right there, no matter how expensive he is. And then a few of the other uh, plays that I like overall, just tournament wise, because obviously we talked about Hunt, and I think the other guys don't really need to go too much into it. Like you have Khalil, Khalil Herbert at a super cheap price tag. You have Devonte Booker. Uh, you know, you have these backup running backs who are getting thrust into these roles. Even a Daryl Williams. Uh, mm-hmm. Those are all guys that I think are solid cash game plays if you want to save that money. Uh, but, but overall, I mean, you got Ezekiel Elliott projected for eight point six percent ownership according to EstablishTheRun.com. That, that's the DraftKings ownership value uh, percentages that we're using for reference for this uh, podcast here. Uh, and then even Aaron Jones, 7.3% projected ownership. Uh, those are guys to me that like they've shown to be workhorse backs that can get you that ceiling of multiple touchdowns, 100 plus yard bonus on DraftKings. So to me, Cook, Elliott, Aaron Jones, if they're all going to finish the week at, at projected sub 10% ownership, those are the areas that I want to look, especially with, uh, Elliot and Aaron Jones both being favorites in their games this week. So uh, I've got my eye on those guys uh, to where, you know, I, I wouldn't mind maybe considering an Ezekiel Elliott stack with the Cowboys defense, being able to get after Mac Jones. Um, same thing goes with Jones and the Packers defense, being able to get after Justin Fields as well. So some things I don't always want to stack my running back with the defense, but this week could be a case where you're doing that and you're getting leverage on the field because those are low owned plays in tournaments. Uh, as well. But anyways, uh, let's move on to wide receiver here, Andrew. Um, You know, there's so many options this week. Obviously the top game of the week in terms of stacking, I think is going to be the KC Washington game we talked about. I think McLaurin, even though he didn't practice Friday, I believe he's still solid to play. I think that was more of a precautionary measure for Washington. Uh, Tyree Kill, I believe is going to be very high owned despite the down game last week against Buffalo. Uh, I think just that game environment, and it could be chalk that's worth playing. But uh, outside of those two guys, what guys are you looking at specifically? Are are you going to make it a priority to stack them together in that game, or or do you have any other matchups that you're looking at specifically for your cash game lineups and then your tournament lineups as well? So I really think the Mahomes and Hill stack is one that a lot of people are going to exploit. So. Again, it really depends on the type of tournament that we're going to be playing in. If we're going to play a cash game versus a non-cash game, that might be like the, my decision maker on who I end up going with. One lower owned and cheaper receiver that I think is not getting enough credit is uh, Kadarius Tony, And I feel like even though um, Daniel Jones... He may or may not play, but Kenny Galladay is not playing. So Tony is going to be the number one option on that Giants offense who might fall behind pretty quickly against the Rams. So they might be, play, um, you know, passing a lot in garbage time or whatnot. So Tony is a freak athlete. He racked up a bunch of points last week with Mike Glennon. If Daniel Jones plays, I think his Tony's ownership uh, levels right now will jump up from the 5.5% projection it is now till Sunday. Um, but other cheap receivers that I like, this one's a little more of a popular play. Michael Pittman, I think, has a pretty good price tag at 5500 The thing is, after having such an explosive game on primetime last week, you just got to bet that he's going to 
also have a higher ownership percentage. Although the salary's cheap there, that could be a nice one to use in a cash game. A lot of people will probably be looking to him as like a cheaper play. And other receivers I like, you know, you can't go wrong with Cooper Cup. If you go with that Stafford stack that I was telling you about, Cup is the person you want to play there along with Stafford. Cup had a down week uh, against Seattle the um, oh, last week. And I think, uh, you know, Woods was featured in that game. So Cup's going to come step up and um, uh, still live up to that wide receiver one status that he's been playing with all this season. And one other stack that I'll mention, you know, we, we I think, Chris, you, you touched on this earlier, but Herbert's like a lesser owned QB this week although he had such an insane performance last week against the Browns, the Browns and the Chargers, they both have very good defenses. So that high scoring game to me came as a pretty big shock. So I was impressed with both offenses and their ability to put up 40 points against each other. That was pretty insane to me. But I will say Herbert is playing at such a high level this year that you can't go wrong with choosing him as your QB and stacking either Mike Williams, who, you know, he, he's been uh, on the injury report all this week. So if you're not comfortable going him, although he's been playing really well, Keenan Allen's a good person to also th- uh, consider in your stack. So Keenan Allen, I feel like, is more of a forgotten person, uh, forgotten player this year. So he can come at a lower owned um uh, percentage there so I like Keenan the Herbert stack this week so something to consider and one other thing I'll throw out there before turning it over to Chris is that the Baltimore defense is not the defense we're thinking of from five years ago ten years ago they're they're really allowing a lot of points against pretty um, mediocre offenses I would say so I think the fact that the Chargers have a pretty top flight offense going up against that defense. I think that could really bode well in this stack like that. So a Herbert and a Keenan Allen stack is would probably be one to exploit as it'll be lower owned and a lot of potential to score points. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you touched on that because I brought that up in the betting preview podcast we did Wednesday night with myself, Sleepy, uh, Steve Reeder, and Uncle Dave. And the Ravens defense, that that's another – look, I mean, Lamar Jackson again. Like, I've said this all week. Like, I, I used to hate on Lamar Jackson because he was a subpar passer in the league for many years. But up to this point, something has changed. Like, he's really improved as a passer this season. He's hitting his guys at all different levels of the field, and he's throwing the ball accurately down the field as well. And when you have a guy, a guy like Marquise Brown, who's basically experiencing like a semi-late breakout, he's in his third year. Typically, we see young, talented receivers break out in their second season. Sometimes it happens in their third year, although it happens at a lower rate. But we're seeing that from Brown. And the fact that Lamar's being able to support him on a weekly basis, if Brown didn't have those egregious drops a few weeks ago against Detroit, you know, we're, we're thinking of a whole different situation for Lamar Jackson as well. Uh, and the fact is, is that this Ravens defense is only enabling Baltimore to need to pass more and more and more in addition to the fact that they came into week one of this season with no Gus Edwards and no J.K. Dobbins like both those guys were in IR during the preseason so all those factors go to show that like this is a Ravens defense you know you, you touched on it Andrew that their defense is not good right now they gave up a career high 400 plus passing yards to Carson Wentz last week in prime time at home like I lost one of my season-long fantasy matchups because I thought the Ravens were a good DST play, and they got me zero points, even though they got that that field goal block towards the end of that game. So that was enough for me to say, if, they, if these guys can't do it in prime time at home against Carson Wentz, who's had an offensive line that was dealing with injuries in themselves, uh, then against the Chargers and Justin Herbert, even though they're making a cross-country trip, I expect the Chargers to be able to do whatever they want against this Ravens defense, which, and when you look at what Brandon Staley's doing with the Chargers, they're allowing teams to run, run, run the ball. So I expect to see early a lot of Lamar run, rush attempts. I expect to see whether, I'm not going to guess who it is, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to say maybe it's a close to a 55-45 split between Latavius Murray and Tyson Williams. And 
they're going to bait the Ravens into running. But what's going to happen is the Chargers have success putting up points. It's eventually the Ravens will not be able to run as much and they're going to need to air it out. So I look at this as a very similar matchup to what the Browns did against the Chargers in week five. Uh, So that's where my head is for this game. This is a game where I think that although Lamar will be heavily owned, I don't know if the stacking in this game is going to be that utilized by the rest of the field when we're talking about our smaller field type of tournaments here. So, uh, you know, Herbert, for that reason, again, like, and you nailed it, like Mike Williams being on the injury report all week. If he stay, if we get the Schefter bomb, like Sunday, you know, 3 a.m., a lot of times Schefter and Rappaport send out tweets at that time for that, for the Sunday kickoff. If we get news that Mike Williams is going to play then and not before then, then we still could be looking at depressed ownership for a guy who's like a touchdown machine and is being and is being used at all levels of the field against a poor secondary. And then you look at the fact that the Ravens are one of the top teams in allowing slot targets, slot reception, slot yards, and Keenan Allen's going to come in at a discounted ownership because he's just being overshadowed by Mike Williams. So I, I look at both those guys at, at great, as great leverage plays this week. And I think if you see Mike Williams get cleared to play sometime in the next 24 to 48 hours, what's going to happen is, is that Mike Williams' ownership percentage is going to go up and Keenan Allen's going to come down. So I, I think that it could be it could set up nicely for a double stack and you want to maybe bring back a piece on the Ravens side, whether it's maybe Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews, you're taking advantage of the full ceiling of that game, but then you're also fading the chalk of Lamar Jackson just by himself. So I think that could be a good way to get around if this game does hit its offensive ceiling potential, which I think it really has a good chance to do um, overall. But I want to talk on just like we talked, we kind of glanced, uh, glossed over some of the cheap running back plays, which I don't think really need to go too in depth on. Uh, and again, like you can look at my fantasy rankings. They're for free for season long on the website. I know a lot of people use that to, to kind of formulate some of their DFS strategy. If you want our specific rankings for DFS, again, it's part of our NFL in-season package. You can go to our website, learn more about it, and sign up. Uh, we, have, we have a discount code. If you use code NFL10, you'll get $10 off our season package. We also have monthly pricing options where you can get our top plays, top stacks, uh, top captain rankings for showdown slates for every single slate during the week. So uh, some of my cheap favorite cheap wide receivers, though, guys – under $5,000, which you're going to need to probably incorporate maybe one or two of these guys if you're looking to pay up uh, at quarterback or like say if you're going to do a Mahomes, Tyreek Hill stack or you want to get Travis Kelsey in your lineup. Um, McCole Hardman's a guy at 4,200 coming off a 12-target game. Tyreek Hill's been questionable all week. He still could have that opportunity in this offense if the Chiefs wind up putting up a ton of points. So I, I still think that he comes in at solid ownership levels to where you can still play him and still have nice leverage on the rest of the field that might be overweight on Tyreek Hill. Uh, and then Rondell Moore at 4,600. You know, this is a guy that at least this week before Zach Ertz hits the field, Rondell Moore is going to see an increased level in snaps and routes run just like he already has for the last couple of weeks. I mean, Rondell Moore is a guy that we've seen now for him. Every single statistic has gone up over the last three weeks. Routes, targets per routes run, 21% target share. 12% air yard share, despite him only having about a four and a half yard average depth of target. So I really like Rondale Moore. If we're seeing a game where Chase Edmonds is coming in questionable, and then we have all these other situations going on, I think some of these Arizona guys have a really high ceiling, but are going to come in really low owned compared to the rest of the field. And then Robbie Anderson, like he's a guy who's getting a ton of air yards. He's getting a ton of targets. And, you know, if, if the Minnesota Vikings try to scheme away DJ Moore, you know, Darnold's going to look Robbie Anderson's way, and, and he's the, the highest paid wide receiver on that Panthers team. So I think if you're looking for sub sub $5,000 guys, Miko Hardman, Robbie Anderson, Rondale Moore, maybe even a Darnell Mooney uh, could be some guys to give you some value there. Uh, Amon, Amon Ross St. Brown becoming the de facto number one receiver with the Lions. You have Hawkinson banged up there. Cephas is out for the year. Uh, those are some other cheap guys that I like. Maybe cheapest all the way going down to Washington, you know, figure out what's going to happen with Deami Brown, figure out Terry McLaurin's health situation. But, you know, we'll talk about Ricky Seals Jones at tight end, but guys like Adam Humphreys, Deami Brown, DeAndre Carter, they're all 3,400 or less. And if we get one of these injury situations to work in our favor, we're going to see a, a really high elevated passing volume game from this Washington team where they're going to need to throw a lot just to keep up with Kansas city. So that's my overall strategy in terms of how to attack this slate right now from the wide receiver standpoint. Um, 
And then my favorite stacks, you know, like again, Herbert, Allen Williams, like how many people are going to double stack those three guys, even though I think it's one of the best stacks in the board could come in very low owned. Same goes for Stafford stacking in with cup and woods, the concentrated target percentage at the top of that offense could wind up paying off if the giants are able to be competitive on the other side. So that's kind of my overall thoughts, stacking strategy. What quarterbacks do I want to pair with high ceiling wide receivers who are also going to come in at modest ownership levels. And then obviously the one guy we haven't talked about yet is, you know, Devonte Adams and, you know, coming off a massive game against my, my beloved Cincinnati Bungles. I've been a Bengals fan my whole life. Uh, the fact Devonte Adams is only coming in right now at like around 16% ownership. Uh, he might be a guy we go right back to the well with, whether it's in a small entry tournament field or in a cash game lineup. I mean, Cooper cup right now is projecting to be, the second highest owned wide receiver on the slate, Brandon Cooks, number one. Um, you know, maybe you want to play Cup, Woods, and a stack with Stafford, and then still play Devontae Adams, and then take advantage of cheap running backs along the way. So, anyways, I mean, we could go on forever about there's so many options at the wide receiver position, but I think those are some of the games that I'm looking to attack personally that we've touched on so far. So I'm glad we're able to hit on as many names as we did. Uh, Andrew, why don't you start us off at tight end here again? Uh, for me. You know, you're seeing a, a, a price on Travis Kelsey at, a, at like kind of a depressed price tag that we're we're normally seeing him get like close to eight thousand dollars or more. But I think his ownership levels could be really high this week. The fact that he's now priced only four hundred dollars above Darren Waller. We also have Mark Andrews sitting at fifty two hundred, coming off the massive game that he had on primetime last week. I think a lot of people are going to want to click on Mark Andrews, seeing the box score. And seeing the, the the matchup rank, you have to think about that. Like people go to DraftKings, they see the number thirty and the green around that color, mm-hmm. around, around the number thirty, and they're gonna be like, "Ooh, like I really want to play Mark Andrews." So maybe that's somebody we try not to play as much in our tournaments, like we're talking about, and focus on guys who still have similar usage rates. Maybe like I like Noah Fant this week. Um, I also like Darren Waller to have a bounce back because he's he's in that price range where like. He's only 400 less than Kelsey and he's 1400 more than Andrew. So who's going to play Waller coming off kind of like two or three mediocre games in a row. The ceiling is always there for him. So that's kind of my overall thoughts at the top of the board. And then we'll work our way down to some of the cheaper guys, but who are some players that you really like at at tight end this week for, uh, for DraftKings? Very good point about Waller. The fact that, you know, he is more expensive than Andrews, but cheaper than Kelsey. You know, he's right in that middle. A lot of people are going to probably avoid him just because he hasn't been playing up to expectations. So he could be a really good uh, non-cash play. So I like that a lot. Another um, high power tight end. You know, we we were ta- we talked about Kelsey. I mean, typically when you see Kelsey in uh, DraftKings, he has a price tag over $8,000. This week he's coming in at 7000 we're expecting Mahomes to have a really high passing out, uh, like passing uh, output game or whatnot. But that you know, if Mahomes plays well, there's a really good chance that Kelsey's going to have a lot of uh, fantasy points, lots of touchdowns and yards as well. So, I mean, he's he's one to look at. He's definitely going to be on the higher ownership side, so that's more of a cash game play. But nonetheless, he he's uh, going to have a really uh, good game. On the more, I guess, let's say medium tier plays, one guy that I like a lot is um, Higby. I think that um, Stafford's going to sort of uh, look his way against the Giants defense. So Higby could have a really nice day against uh, the Giants. And he comes in at a price tag of, I believe, 4400 So he's cheaper than Andrews, Kelsey, and Waller. So he can come in at that medium price and... For the cheapest play for, you know, when we're talking about these lower low play uh, guys, when we talk about these low salaries, when Chris and I are uh, uh, sort of like mentioning them, we're, we're thinking about them to be more of people that can like sort of cover your roster as you play more expensive people. So like you would put in a cheaper guy if you're going to have like a Mahomes Hill Kelsey stack. You need those fillers to have like cheap plays that could turn out good, but you're not really expecting them to have 30 to 40 points. If they do, that's fantastic. But, you know, if they can meet expectations and get 10, 15 points, and you're only paying like $3,000 for them. That's a big win for a low salary guy. 
And one of the guys that I think might be able to do that this week, if tight end is not a position that you want to spend money on, is Mo Ali Cox. Now, he's a huge guy, big target in Indianapolis, and he's been getting a lot more looks lately in the over the past two weeks. Houston is dead last, I believe, against tight ends. So Ali Cox could be a very cheap um, tight end at $3,100, provide insane value. He's a red zone target. He pulls in one touchdown, add in a couple catches, and I think you've done really good with that tight end spot at such a low price. I like that. I mean, at the end of the day, when you're looking for you know that, that pun play type of cheap tight end, a lot of times it's going to come down to who scores a touchdown and who doesn't. And you're definitely getting a red zone target in Mo Alley Cox where they've really just been using Jack Doyle as, as strictly a blocker. I think he's seeing like max one or two targets a game. Uh, you're seeing enough targets for Mo Alley Cox to where at least you know he's always going to be a threat to score in the red zone. And with the Houston defense potentially keying in more on Michael Pittman, uh, that could definitely give us some looks in the red zone, in the green zone, inside the 10-yard line, et cetera, for a guy like Mo Alley Cox. I, I don't hate that play at all. Um, I, I think for me on the cheap end, uh, I agree with you. I, I do like Higby. The Giants have given up more tight end production to opposing tight ends than a lot of other teams have on the same side of thing. Same side, same side of things in that game. I, I do like Evan Ingram as a cheap play as well. We've seen his targets go up, his routes run go up. He's only $3,400 right now. And we've obviously seen his type of ceiling in the past where we've seen Evan Ingram now in three straight weeks. Uh, his yards have gone up consecutively, and his fantasy points overall on DraftKings have gone up too. And his price really hasn't gone up all that much. He's actually cheaper this week than he was three weeks ago when he came back from injury. But he's seen at least four targets now in three straight games he's seen at least six targets in two of the last three so i don't hate evan ingram he has the athleticism to make big plays if he gets the ball in his hands and with the fact that like even if slayton shepherd and Kadarius tony all play uh ingram's still going to be in his role so i'm not really worried too much about that uh but as we get more clarity you know you brought up Kadarius tony in, in the last segment about wide receivers like if if tony winds up coming in questionable and still plays uh, I actually heard that he was going to play already. I haven't heard yet that Shepard and Slayton are going to play yet 100%. So if we're getting the news on Tony already before the weekend starts, then like he could, his ownership actually might not go up. So just, just keep your eye on that overall uh, to where he could actually be a really high ceiling play at his price tags. It, it, you know, besides the fact that his, some of his teammates are coming back into the mix this week, but uh Hunter Henry, to me, you know, kind of in that mix right there, you know, $500 more than Evan Ingram. He's clearly separated himself uh, between him and Johnny Smith in this offense. We've seen now two straight weeks of the touchdown, uh, eight targets last week, six catches, 75 yards. He's he's basically become the 1B receiving option in this offense. Mac Jones right now is ranking in the bottom of the league in his downfield accuracy attempts. And, and what, what are we seeing more because of that and result itself in the Patriots offense? We're seeing more volume go to the likes of Jacoby Myers and to Hunter Henry because there is no more James White to check down to in that offense. I know Bolden's going to get some targets here and there, but Hunter Henry, I think, is going he's become the main beneficiary, actually, of James White's injury in addition to the fact of, like, Jones just can't get the ball right now to, to Nelson Aguilar down the field. I actually do like Nelson Aguilar under his receiving yards as a player prop this week, even though it's pretty low. He's hit that. He's hit the under in his line for like three out of the last four weeks. But um, that's why I like Henry. The only other things that I want to mention there is like Noah fans coming off a, a down game uh, to where like we saw his routes hit. Like I think it was 91% of the routes run last week for Noah fan. I mean, when you're looking at tight ends, like anyone who's running, 80% of the routes or more, like not pass blocking. They're actually running routes down the field, 80% or more. Uh, those are let, considered elite level usage tight ends. That's why I'm really high on Ricky Seals-Jones, $3,000. That's why I like Noah Fant to have a bounce back game here as well against a uh, Raiders secondary that's probably a little bit better at stopping wide receivers than they are at tight ends too. So, um, you know, Seals-Jones is to me is the cash game play. Like I'm probably going to wind up playing him in cash because – the price tag is so cheap. We have the excellent game environment with like two of the worst secondaries in the league. 
Washington at home being like seven point underdogs. Like they're most likely going to be playing from behind in a negative type of game script. We saw him get eight targets last week too. So uh, that's why to me, Seals Jones, I almost, almost feel like I have to lock him in to my, to my cash game line, especially if McCorn's questionable, De'Ami Brown's questionable. Like they might come into this game with Adam Humphreys, DeAndre Carter, and Ricky Seals Jones. It, it might be ugly. McKissick might, might wind up leading the team in reception alone just because of all these injuries. Like it's, it's definitely possible. Um, but again, like that's why I like seals Jones, but tournament wise, I'm going to fade seals Jones. Cause I think he's kind of what they call bad chalk, right? Like he obviously has his flaws. Uh, the targets could be there, but who, who's to say they're going to connect on even half the targets. So that's why I'm going to fade him as a chalky play in tournaments overall. But um, that's kind of what I'm thinking overall here, just in terms of ownership values and where we can kind of look to take advantage of the rest of the field. Because everyone besides Seals, Jones, Andrews, and Kelsey, like those guys are all grouped together as the top three projected own players. Anyone below that, I mean, even TJ Hawkinson, man, like he's been playing hurt, but we know the ceiling on TJ Hawkinson. Like mm-hmm. He's only projected 6.5% ownership. Noah Fant right there at 6.3%. Henry at 5.2%. Um, you know, Dalton Schultz, I'm not buying it. I talked about him being a sell high. Like I picked him off waivers two weeks ago in both my big money leagues. I've traded him already. I love picking up guys off the waivers that are hot and then letting him have one more good game and then showing another guy like, Hey, look, this guy's on a, on a tear three straight weeks. Like that's when I'm looking to trade guys and sell high. Uh, but that's kind of more season long talk there that, that we'll get into it more in future weeks. But I think we did a good job there covering up the – and one thing I want to add in before we go on the defense and wrap this podcast up is when it comes to the tight end position, it's a really good position to include in your stacks because we talk a lot about double stacking guys. Uh, and you, you a lot of times when you think about double stacking, you think about receivers, right, quarterback with two receivers. But a tight, tight end is a very tricky position to hit on a week-to-week basis because even we, – we saw even last week and the week before that – Travis Kelsey, he's not uh, he's not immune to having down games. And if you're spending up at tight end, it's still never a guarantee that you're going to hit that 4x value on the salary on DraftKings. So, if you're able to like knock out and pick the right game environment to where like, hey, this game's going to be a shootout, I'm going to stack a tight end, a tight end, say, "Hey, I'm going to do a double stack with Mahomes, Hill and Kelsey. I'm going to do a double stack with Lamar, Marquise Brown, and Mark Andrews." Uh, you know, those are two chalky examples this week, but it helps you eliminate a position in your lineup and give you that correlation there to where you don't have to rely. Like, let's say the rest of your lineup does well, but then the one tight end you picked has a down game. I think it's much more weeks than not. It's much better to correlate the tight end position into one of your game stacks and kind of knock that position out uh, and get it over with. So it's all you need to do is just hit that game stack right. And more than likely, that's going to pay off for you rather than trying to throw a one-on-one dart at that position by itself. So that's my overall kind of like, you know, long view tournament thoughts on, on the tight end position on DraftKings, FanDuel, et cetera. But um, let's move on to uh, defense, Andrew. We'll knock this out here in a few minutes. But at the top of the board, we have the Rams, 4,700. Broncos, 3,900. Uh, Packers are up there pretty high, although to me, playing on the road, I don't know if they have the pass rush to really get after fields and have that high of a ceiling in that game. Although I don't expect the bears offense to do that. Well, uh, we've got the lions and the Colts at the top of the ownership board, but right now, no defense is being projected for more than 14%. The probably my favorite sub 10% own defense would be looking down. I'd have to go down the board. I I like the Cowboys. I brought them up briefly before 2.3% projected ownership for the Cowboys. Um, And then honestly, besides that, like, Really not much to me is standing out. It, I really don't want to pay up, but if I had to pay up, I mean, the Rams at, at, at 0.5%, uh, you know, not many people are going to play them, but it's going to cut into the rest of the salary you have to spend at other positions. You know, the Broncos, same type of thing with them going up against the Raiders. But to me right now, the standout play where I see ceiling and I see ownership leverage on the rest of my field is, is the Dallas Cowboys. That, that, that's kind of where I'm at for defense. What, what, what do you got? What are some of your favorite plays there? I think you really hit it on the head with paying up for a defense. You need to be really careful about doing that. Last week, if uh, everybody recalls, the New England Patriots actually were the most expensive defense. 
in DraftKings at $4,900, which is pretty insane if you think if you take a step back and think about it. They only came up with five points last week. So if you spent up $4,900 and only got five points for any position, that is very bad ROI. And typically the way to really like get value out of this is you want to, first of all, you know, the Rams, I think are a good, uh, they're a good play this week, but you really want to pay attention to whether or not Daniel Jones is going to start. Cause that could be the determination on whether or not like the, the Rams are going to like not only pile up sacks, but could they take a touchdown to the house. Are they going to have pick sixes, uh, uh, a fumble six or whatnot. So that is something to pay attention to if you want to go with the Rams defense. As Chris mentioned, that they're going to be they're pretty low owned right now. So if Glennon starts instead of Jones, that's definitely one to consider. Another defense I like, although they're not sub ten percent, um, they're actually eleven point two right now. Are the uh, Minnesota Vikings, and the reason why I like them is. They're going up against uh, Sam Darnold and the Carolina Panthers, and the Panthers really don't have a great O-line. CMC is not going to be playing again this week, so that take, that puts a lot of pressure on Darnold, and we saw last week what happens when a defense really gets after Darnold and the Philadelphia Eagles, and I think the Vikings are um, you know, a much better version of that. I mean, they could really get after you. They got a lot of sacks on Goff last week, so I expect them to put a lot of pressure on Darnold. They will have opportunities to perhaps, uh, you know, make good plays on the defense, but also they're pretty cheap as well. I mean, they're coming in at less than uh, 3000 bucks. They're at 2900 right now, so I think that's a pretty good cheap play, although they're owned by 11.2% of people right now. I think that could be another one to consider. And one other play that I'll uh, toss up there as well. I think that the Chiefs are a team to consider as well. And I know people will probably think that's a little bit crazy. But, you know, they're going up against Washington, who might be with uh, an injured McLaurin. And I think that the Chiefs could really want to make a statement after getting embarrassed by Buffalo. So they have a shot at, you know, going in there and perhaps they won't get a shutout, but they're, they're going to really play this game down to the wire. And if they get opportunities to try to score on defense, you better believe they're going to take it and try to make a statement and show the league that they're still relevant and around. They don't really, they don't have that defensive prowess that they had in years past. Not saying that they were an elite defense before, but they could hold their own. So that definitely hurts their case. But I mean, Washington's a really um, middle of the road team. I mean, they're they're subpar. And I think the Chiefs matchup where the defense could uh, come up with a lot of points there. They're currently priced right now at 2800 the ownership percentage is low at 5.5%. So that could be a good non-cash play. So those are the defenses that I like this week. Yeah, yeah I, I don't mind that call either with the cluster injuries they're going through right now. Again, if like, if McLaurin's ruled out for some reason, which I don't I don't think it's trending that way yet, but if it could happen, then th- I think you definitely want to take a close look at a team like the Chiefs to where if they're playing with a big lead, their defensive line can really get after a quarterback, rack up sacks. Uh, the pass attempts – Pass attempts go up and dropbacks go up. That means more sack opportunities, more interception opportunities, et cetera, et cetera. I don't mind that. And same thing with the Browns. Like with the with the Cardinals right now, we're looking at no Kingsbury there, which, again, we talked about this before we recorded, like maybe a half-point difference on the spread. But uh, Chase Edmonds still, like he's questionable. He came in the last week questionable. Uh, he looks a little banged up right now. Like how much of a role is he going to have in, in this game? The Browns are back at home. Um, you know, they could rack up sacks on Murray, who, who's dealt with his own injury this week as well. I really want to find out what the beat reporters are saying over the weekend with Kyler Murray, with Chase Edmonds, with like how Arizona is preparing uh, to plan for this game without Kingsbury. So the Browns at 2,600, I think, are in play. Um, you know, the Lions, they're at home and they're projecting for the highest ownership because of their price tag. Like everyone you know, gone are the days where back in the day, like everyone used to pay up for defense and the value was always at the bottom. Now people are sharper in DFS and, you know, the Lions, even though we don't look at them as a great defense, they're at home and Burrow could be dropping back to pass a lot with a banged up mix. And so that's why the Lions uh, are considered the highest own right now at 2100. 
Um, maybe another cheap defense you could consider, which you know could be the Houston Texans in a divisional game at twenty two hundred dollars. Um, you know Carson Wentz, yeah, he had a great game against Baltimore, but can he have another great game in a row? The Texans defense actually hasn't been that bad this year. Um, you know, look at what they've done. They held the Patriots in check last week. They held even Darnold in check a couple weeks ago on primetime when they when they lost Tyrod Taylor. So uh, I, I don't think that's a bad play at $2,200 either. Uh, but again, for me right now, like Cowboys 3,200. And I, and I do like the Vikings play you mentioned because when you look at the offensive line, defensive line discrepancies, uh, that's one of the biggest mismatches we have on the board in our player prop uh, overall matchup cheat sheet for week six is the Vikings have a top 10 defensive line. The Panthers have a bottom six uh, offensive line. And you look at the Vikings overall, they rank third in the league in adjusted sack rate, second in pressure percentage and first in QB hurry percentage. Uh, Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter, they're both top seven in the league in sack score. And on the flip side, the Panthers, they're 31st in the league in pass, pass block win rate. 24th in adjusted sack rate, 27th in pressure percentage allowed. So, you know, all those stats go to show that every single indicator when it comes to these lines goes in the Vikings' favor, which is why I, if I had to pick a game, I'm, I haven't bet on this game yet, but I think that the Vikings deserve to be one-point favorites here on the road against Carolina, against a still overrated Sam Darnold, in my opinion. So I, I do like you calling out that play. For cash games, 11.2% at 2,900. That's nothing I'm going to shy away from myself. And that could also correlate too, Andrew, think about it. We, we talk about like one thing we talked about before we went on is like, think about the total ownership you have you know, in, in a tournament lineup that you're putting in. Like you don't want the ownership to, to get too out of control because then how are you going to really be different than the rest of the field? But if you have Dalvin Cook at like eight, nine percent with his ceiling and you're pairing him with the Vikings defense, like that's a correlation that could wind up. They build a big lead. They force turnovers. And they want to run the ball. And, and, and that could be a nice positive correlation stack with the running back and the DST there uh, in that game. So I like that call there. Um, you know, ov- overall, I know we talked about before, you know, uh, you know, having some segment here at the end for doing some type of Millie Maker lineup or we do like a head-to-head between us. I, I think Sleepy might be joining us on future podcasts as well to talk some DFS. But I, I think we're going to leave it here for now. I think we talked about a, a lot of really good points and I'm glad we were able to finally do this. This is the podcast that Sleepy and I have been talking about doing now for the last year or so. I know a lot of you listeners have wanted more DFS as opposed to season-long fantasy content. So this is something Andrew is going to be a big part of our fantasy team moving forward. You can obviously tell he has the knowledge and experience to talk a lot about fantasy. And again, the, the stats and information we have our team pulling together week by week, it's, for, it's going to be extremely beneficial for season-long fantasy decisions for DFS strategy, weekly decisions, and for your player prop wagers, and probably overall betting strategy uh, as well. So definitely check that out at bettingpredators.com. We're going to have a free preview of what I think is going to become like a weekly ebook for us. It's going to be like a 30-page document that's going to be breaking down two to three pages on every single game for every week. I'm, I'm really excited about it. And like I said, by the time you listen to this uh, Saturday morning, you're going to have access to this document on the bettingpredators.com website for free. Uh, we, we might put it behind the paywall in the future, but it'll be at a very, at a very affordable uh, price tag if you want to access that, which I think it'll be more than worth the money. So that'll wrap it up for this week. Uh, Andrew, appreciate your uh, the time again that you're putting in behind the scenes with us and then hopping on this podcast here. And, uh, um, you know, we're really excited to have you as part of our team. I, you, know, you guys have all been following us for the last year and a half now since we launched the website or even longer before that. And, you know, we've grown by leaps and bounds and guys like Andrew, guys like Steve and everyone who's joined our team over that time has just been so crucial to helping us continue to grow. And and that's what we're looking to do and continuing to give as much value as possible. So appreciate all the help, Andrew. Uh, Look forward to doing this with you next week. Uh, Let's try to carve out a little bit of time next week to do our, uh, we'll do a little fun segment with our Millie Maker lineups at the end. And, uh, you know, again, we're going to have our DFS plays. They're live on the website for subscribers. We've got about 15 prop bets from myself, Steve, and Sleepy that are in the Discord right now. Uh, So if you want to get into our Discord and access our best bets in real time, ask us questions around the clock almost 24-7. Go to our premium page on the website, learn more about our in-season package. Hit me up if you're looking for a discount on that. I can try to hook it up there. But uh, that's it for Andrew. You can find Andrew, uh, Andrew D., 
I still don't want to butcher the last name, but Andrew D. <laughs> you can find him at uh, find him at at Wary Actuary W A R Y Actuary on Twitter. You can find myself Chris Dell at Mad Journalist. That's M A D D Journalist with two D's. Best of luck with your season long fantasy, with your DraftKings lineups, with all your DFS contests this weekend. We'll see you next week. Peace out.